Hey, welcome to Vaguely Relevant. I'm Adam Thompson. I'm Terezi Itoka. And these are stories that may or may not relate to you. Today we're talking about creating opportunities. Terezi, today your word is, how did you pronounce? Because I sent it to you and you seemed a lot more confident in pronouncing it than I did. It's hullabaloo. Hullabaloo. Okay. Yeah. And that means a clamor, uproar, or commotion. Right. Um, your word is loquacious. It means tending to talk a great deal or talkative. I love it. Uh, yeah, this story started on a scooter and it um, started a few years ago, my junior year. I was secretary of uh, the humanitarian club and I wasn't finding that we were doing work with like um, refugee relief and um, activism that I was looking for. And so I talked to my advisor of the club and we decided that we would work with the International Rest- Refugee Committee and the Agency for New Americans to build a program where we were going to be doing what we wanted to do. And we went over to the Civic Plaza apartment complex and found that a lot of Syrian refugees were living there. And um, they were needing help with, you know, learning English and getting more situated with the community. And so we decided to build the program there. And it was pretty close. It was not too far from our high school. So it was a pretty good, you know, area to do it. And the first day, because we had to meet with, like, the parents and, you know, talk to them and... um, see if they wanted, you know, if they wanted a bunch of random high schoolers to, you know, help them out. And (laughs) I remember the first day, um, I was trying to think, like, how am I going to get there, you know, because I don't have a car and I didn't really have um, parents to bring me there. But I had a scooter. And so Mm. it was raining that day, unfortunately. But I was like, you know, I'm just going to scoot my way there. I was feeling a little down, like, at first, because I was like, I just want to, you know, help people in the community, but I'm, like, having difficulty myself in getting there, but I didn't let that stop me, and so I scooted my way there, and I was a little late. In the rain. Yeah, I was a little late, but I didn't really explain why I was late. I think they were just, like, judging me for being late, but I was just like, no, I'm here. That's what matters. <laughs> and yeah. So we met with um, a few families that first day, and they didn't speak English, actually, and we didn't speak Arabic, and we didn't have a translator that first day, so it was like, okay, we're going to play a game of, like, making hand gestures and then kind of trying to figure out what the other was saying. But luckily, um, uh, the son came home from high school that day, and he was, like, learning English in school because, you know, when you go to school, like, there's English language learning programs. And so he was better able to understand what we we're trying to say. And so we we're trying to explain that we wanted to start a program where we would be coming every Thursday and we would be, you know, working with the children and working with the parents if we could. And we wanted to help with, like, English and homework for older kids and stuff. And so I think he kind of got what we were saying, like, through broken English and, like, broken Arabic hmm. and... Um, yeah, we went to a few other families and, like, just spoke with them and kind of explained that. And then we, were we like, crossed our fingers and hoped that the next day that we showed up, there would be parents, you know, ready yeah. to have us there and ready to have us help. And when we first started this, we didn't have a building to do this at. We didn't have, like, any place indoors to do it. So we just did it outside on the ground. <laughs> so this really was uh, something that started from the ground up, and we built it from the ground up. Um, wow, that's great. Yeah. And so the first day when you were doing it outside, it was raining, so where did yeah, you go? Yeah, it was pouring rain. 
unfortunately. But there was like a little, it wasn't a bridge, but there was like a little like arch, um, like in the side of like the building. And so that like covered, shielded us from the rain. And so we just kind of all worked in there. And I remember I have a mm. picture of like just the kids and like the parents just like out there. But the rain didn't seem to bother the parents as much, which was, which was nice. And we just like did like crayons and like coloring Aww. pages that day and like introduced each other to one another and um, played like some, I think it was like wall ball with some of the kids that day. And after that oh. first day, it was like, wow, I, I really enjoyed this. And I'm looking forward to, you know, like doing this weekly. So that whole year, we, we did that. Uh, we would come every Thursday, and it started, every Thursday we started with, like, some of the kids would be coming back from school, so they'd be getting off the bus, but then we would go door to door and go knock on the doors, and sometimes there'd be, like, new families that had just moved in, and then we'd go knock on the door and then, like, try and, like, say in, like, broken English and, like, Arabic and be like, it's Thursday, like, today's the day where we, you know, work with your kids and stuff, and, um... Like, the more we did it, um, the parents soon started, like, coming as well. And, like, even the dads did. And it was, yeah. So, like, at first, like, the parents were kind of, like, hesitant to, like, you know, give their kids to some random high school teenagers. <laughs> and then <laughs> afterwards, they were kind of curious to see, like, what we were doing. And, like, they were, like, more eager to, you know, give, um, let, let us, like, uh, work with their kids and stuff. And, like, the dads would come sometimes and we would have, like, Legos for, like, um, kids who weren't going to be doing, like, the worksheets at the moment. But um, the dads would be playing with their kids, too. And it was, like, nice to see, like, that bonding moment um, with the kids and their parents, you know, through a program that we'd built. And we didn't really expect to have that, but that's what came out of it, too. And um, I remember when there were holidays, we would try and do, like, um, showing them what, like, the American kind of version of the holiday is, like, Christmas has turned more, like, commercial and, like, presents and stuff, but um, we did, like, kind of crafts, like, we did gingerbread houses and taught them how to make those. Um, We did, like, snowflakes, and um, I I created, like, worksheets and activities that we would do, like, each week, and that was a really fun part. I got to, like, use my creative side and think of, like, things that kids would like to do again, and um, my mom would be like, why do you have all these, like, cotton balls and, like, glitter glue and all this stuff? And I'm like, it's for the kids. Aww. And we did, like, paper bag, like, snowman and, like, the paper bag for Valentine's Day. We did, like, the paper bag, like, the ones that you put candy in. And then we brought, like, candy and had, like, each kid, like, put it in each other's bags and taught them to make, Aww. like, little Valentines and stuff. And that was a lot of fun. Like, I got a lot out of it, too, as much as they did, too. And, um... Learning a language is it's definitely really difficult, and um, there were times where there was, like, frustration, like, they'd get frustrated because they couldn't understand something, and in those moments, I tried to, um, you know, show them that it's difficult for even someone like myself who's older to learn a language, and so I would tell them to, like, teach me a word in Arabic, or, like, teach me how to write it, and, like, when I would, like, mess up the writing, and then I'd be like, see, like, you know, it's okay to mess up, and it's, and oh, it's okay so that you don't sweet, get it. Rosie. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I learned some Arabic words. The only thing I can remember at the moment right now is Pashto, which is butterfly, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I'd have to ask, but... (laughs) Yeah, and then, um, like, they would say, like, some Arabic words to us and then listen to our, like, funny pronunciation and, like, laugh at us. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, as long as, like, you know, they're, they're, like, they're getting that, like, yeah, it's difficult no matter what age you are to, like, learn a language, but it's okay to mess up and... You know, that they get what a great method of doing it yeah that's so awesome dude yeah. yeah and it was something i definitely missed and but i really enjoyed doing it um because like being an immigrant myself there were so there's so many things that can be like difficult 
But if you have someone who's experienced that kind of um, difficulty and those different setbacks, but if you have that person, you know, showing them um, the way to, you know, get through those tough situations and showing them that, um, you know, there's there's hope and um, you'll you'll be able to push through it. Um, that created new opportunities for them, and I think it made things easier on some of like the older kids who had like middle school homework and just needed someone to you know help show them you know how to do it and yeah yeah do you remember like your last day with them and is this is the program still going now that you're in Connecticut um not that specific one now we're just working with smaller families and so um this year um I'm not yeah the club is still going um I left it with a really good president so it's in good hands but this year they're working with the family from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, which is where I'm from. And uh, they're working like, I think the family has, I think four kids. And um, I went back and talked to like the the advisor of our club and she said they're having a really fun time like working with them and like learning different things and learning about like their culture and like the food. And she said like some foods and I was like, dude, I eat that. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And do you remember your last day with the the group of refugees at the apartment complex? Yeah, the last day we took them to the zoo. And, um, oh. yeah, I normally don't really like the zoo because I just don't like the idea the idea of, like, you know, animals being held in captivity and stuff. But the zoo in uh, Zuboise, like, tries to do a good job of, you know, taking care of the animals. And it's like a sanctuary and making sure that they're fed well and, like, taken care of and... Um, it was like an experience that mostly none of the kids had ever had before, like never seen some of these animals before, or even like been to the zoo. And it was definitely, wow. definitely a fun thing to like see them get excited about, you know, different animals and different, um, yeah, like I even bet. the butterflies and stuff. And yeah, so that was yeah, really cause, fun. Yeah, because like if they're that young and, um, and they've never been to the zoo before, I'm sure they've probably never even like, like seen any of those animals. Yeah, no, yeah, it was definitely... It's been a first time. Yeah. Wow, that is so cool, dude. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of animals, um, I've talked a lot, Adam's talked a lot. Welcome to Echo's Corner. Let's see what Echo has to say. <laughs> and back to the story. Yeah, there was a lot of hullabaloo... Um, from the animals and the kids when uh, we went to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> nice, okay. Yeah. And, and how will you, how would you compare like the first day of um, of you doing the program to the last day? Um, I definitely noticed, like, I, I think I said earlier, but like the first day, I mean, it was, I mean, like kind of awkward. It was like, you know, when you like first meet someone and like you, you're not really acquainted with them. But like the mothers were super, super nice. I think it was maybe the first or the second week. They like invited us into their homes and they're like, we have food for you guys. And I'm like, we're like, Aww. no, you guys don't have to do them. They just like wanted to get to know us. But like early on, you know, it was like kind of hesitant and like kind of reluctant to give their kids off. But after that, like all the kids would be like running up to go and the parents would like be eager to come. And it was like, we like formed a relationship with the mothers and the fathers there and the kids and it felt afterwards that we like they had been situated into the community and there were times where I would see some of them at like the grocery store later on and they would say hi and I would say hi and, and so it definitely was a good feeling you know um, a good feeling to leave off with yeah Yeah, plus I'm sure, like, 
the change of settings too it might be um analogous with like the feelings that you guys are feeling from like the first and last day because so like the first day was what probably kind of like a dark and dreary rainy day yeah and then the day at the zoo was it like was it kind of like a summerish day yeah it was a pretty sunny day it was later on in the year but it was a really warm sunny day yeah yeah that's so cool yeah i'm gonna pause real quick i don't know if i should add this part it's it's important but it's a downer. But it is important. Oh. Uh, yeah. That thing. Yeah, this one's a hard one. It was late June, early July. Um, unfortunately, there was a party being held for a three-year-old. And I'm not going to disclose their names, just to, you know, respect their privacy. But there was a party being held, and unfortunately, um, someone came in and stabbed the three-year-old and injured um, nine people total. It was six other children and three adults. And some of those kids were the kids that we had worked with. And I wasn't in town when it happened. Um, I was in Houston for another another reason, and I remember I heard that news, and they hadn't said who it was, but I, I just had this gut feeling that it was the families that we had worked with, and um, I, I reached out to my advisor and reached out to the other students that we had worked with, and we were trying to figure out, you know, who it was and what we could do to help, and it was really, really hard because those were the kinds of things we were trying to, you know, protect them from, and shield them from, you know, by by creating the program too. And um, a lot of these families, like myself, have escaped, you know, violence in their hometowns and violence in their communities. And to come to America and still experience that same thing um, was really hard. And I remember like feeling that I felt like not the same amount of pain as the mother did because that was her only child that she lost. and. Her husband still hadn't gotten his visa, so he wasn't even in America at the time when it happened. But um, just that feeling of kind of like helplessness, you know, that you've done everything you could to protect your family. You've moved to an entirely different country in hopes of, you know, planting new seeds and new opportunities for your kids and then to lose them and to lose them in a way where you couldn't even protect them. It's, It's really hard and... I put myself in their shoes too and I remember my I talked to my dad and he had said that he had been at those apartments I think like two hours before because he knew some other families there and that was just that was really hard to hear because I I mean if he had been there later I don't know what would have happened if things would have turned out differently I don't I mean neither of us have any idea our community did become very supportive and um A good thing that came out of it was all the support from the community and the different families and um, even I think the firefighters um, helped her plant a garden for her to you know grow and like a flower garden and I came back um, from the trip I was at in Houston and that day like a a few hours later um, we were holding a vigil in the community and I attended that and um, it was good to feel Um, kind of like a new feeling of community within my own community that I hadn't felt before. And so that was a good feeling. But 
overall, I mean, it's still been a really hard thing to to deal with and a hard thing to think about, but yeah. 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 We'll be right back. So my brother was going to Boise High School and he was in like, he was in the theater class and they were putting on this play called Free Ice Cream. And Free Ice Cream, like the premise of it was that like, um, there were like all these different uh, skit names on a clothesline, okay? And what's really cool, I think in my opinion, my favorite part of Free Ice Cream is that, is that the audience has like a lot of control. And so the audience will shout out like, we want to see like Mario gone wrong, you know, like some some like skit name, right? And it's like up on the clothesline and then they, they pull it down and they're like, okay, here we go. And then they do the skit real quick. And then after they're done, they're like, okay, what do you want to see? And then the audience shouts out a new one. Anyway, so years go by and then my sister goes to Boise High I have two older siblings, and my sister goes to Boise High, and she um, is in the theater department, too, and they're putting on free ice cream, and she invites me, and I'm like, okay, yeah, like, I totally want to go, because I, I kind of remember it from um, from seeing it, my, my, my brother's class's version. Yeah, so I am, like, super excited to see this, this play. And I invite, um, I invite, I invite one of my friends and I, I called him Borg on the podcast before. So we're just going to go with that. So I invite Borg and I invite another guy who we're going to call Brian. And after school, we, um, go to the bus stop and jump on the number nine bus. And then we get to Boise high. And the thing is like, I usually hated plays because you know they're like pretty boring and they're like a little too dramatic for me and like I guess that's good yeah that's kind of an oxymoron a little boring and dramatic but um <laughs> but when we showed up it was cool because they're like handing out um free ice cream and then they also had this thing where it was like you could either pay like four bucks to get in or whatever or you could like like throw one of these like big um you know, inflatable dye that you get at, like, Wahoo's. Whatever it landed on would be how much you'd pay. So, like, you could pay, like, a dollar, or you could pay, like, I guess six. $6. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so it was just cool, because, like, from, like, the moment we showed up, before we even got in the theater, um, it was just, like, such a interesting um, vibe. It's just such a fun and, and happy vibe. Like, it, it was just, everything was so exciting, you know? Then we go in and we're sitting down and like within like minutes, like one of the first skits that like the audience chooses, they're like, oh, we need like, we need audience members. And so then they pull me, 
Borg and Brian up on stage, and I'm like, well, this is so cool. Then after the play, like we're all talking about like how much we loved it, and we go home. And a couple days later, um, Brian and I were in, in theater class together, but it was like for our junior high theater class. And we were kind of like talking about like, man, that play was like so freaking good. And we, we asked our theater teacher like that. We just saw a play that was like kind of like life changing. We kind of want to do it. <laughs> and it, it was sort of this like crazy idea, like that we, we weren't like totally sure that the teacher would be into. Like she was cool, but like to just throw like, hey, we want to direct a play. And we want to, like, write it, and we want it to be, like, completely our own. Like, we don't want any, like, we want to do it completely ourselves, you know? Yeah. And we, like, kind of asked her, like, like could we, like, make our own play? And she's like, yeah, do it. Sweet! So, the first thing that we needed was, um, was a crew. And, like, it was cool because, like, all of the actors were um like the first time they did the reading it was like exactly what like my friend and i had envisioned but i will say that like we had some of the skits written out but we didn't have all the skits written out so like we were already <laughs> choosing a crew with like an imp- without imp- knowing yeah, yeah without knowing like what the rest of the skits were gonna be um this was like probably three weeks into rehearsal and one day Brian just kind of like something flipped. <laughs> I wasn't sure what was happening, but like I just remember like the day before he just kind of told me like, "Hey man, like I really like country stuff." And and sometimes like I get crap for that and like I like I kind of just want to like show more of like my countryside. I'm like, dude, that's, like, awesome. Yeah, you do you, right? And he started, like, uh, dressing a little different. And I'm like, all right, country boy Brian. <laughs> and it was cool. But then he started acting a little different. And, like, he and I were the two directors. And all of a sudden, I kind of felt like I had to start telling him, like, can you do your job? Yeah, I just remember, like, being in the hallway where we were supposed to rehearse and, like, I had like a group of actors on one side and then like it was like Brian and his friend who wasn't even part of the play like hanging out and like looking at their phones. So I would like loquaciously like try to um, convince uh, Brian to like direct with me. And then one day I show up after class, you know, after a long day of class and I'm pretty sure um, I mean my days were freaking long I had like a 6 a.m. jazz class and then you know a full like eight hour day and then after that I went to like the hall where we would rehearse and like and one day I show up and I look around Brian's not there mm. he's just decided to stop showing up mm. so then no. I kind of for me at least it quickly turned into like balancing all of this by myself and that that wasn't really what I was expecting and I knew I could do it um, but it was a lot to have to deal with yeah I like was getting pretty nervous anyway I, I kind of thought there was like a chance that like the play would fail just because like oh. there wasn't enough direction behind it and there wasn't um, there wasn't enough heart in it either um, at least from Brian like the actors were great and I was pretty awesome too but Anyway, so I was like, yeah, there's a chance that, like, the play will fail. But uh, anyway, every day, like, regardless, I, um, 
I showed up and I was tired, but I persevered. And we, we all worked on stuff. And like, I was an actor too, so I worked on my lines. I worked on, like, we all worked on, like, staging, et cetera, et cetera, like, all the good actor stuff, and, and also this was, like, the second time that I'd ever acted in, like, a, well, technically third time, but the first time was when I was, like, four, um, so the second <laughs> time that I'd ever acted in a play, and, and first time that I was a director, so it was a lot of news for me, and it was hard for me to, like, go from, like, being nothing to, like, being, like, an actor and a director of, like, like, six people or something yeah all by myself finally it was the day of the show and it was a double feature um the teacher that was that allowed us to do this she was putting on a play too and her play was good it was like about like young love or something um and so like my whole crew like waited behind like super anxiously behind the scenes and then finally it was our turn and like I didn't. I really didn't know what to think of of um, how the audience would react because our our play was so different. Free ice cream is a pretty radical idea, and on top of that, like all the skits that we made were supposed to be funny, but they were funny to me, a ninth grader at the time, and like and the seventh graders and eighth graders that I was working with. So I was like, I have no idea if like if the audience is gonna hate this or not, you know? Yeah. Um. And so we we go out on stage, and um, I don't remember much of it, to be honest, but I remember when they called um, Metaphor Man. That was one of the skits. And <laughs> we it was this great skit where um, there's two people sitting next to each other, and uh, I think it's a I think it's a son and a father. And there's like a bunch of people behind the father's chair. Okay, and the father goes like, "Son, like we need to have a talk, and like, and like I need to give you some like inspiration because, or like I need to give you some wisdom, because you're getting married soon." And so then the father gives all these, um, he gives all these like metaphors that like don't make any sense. Like it's like (laughs) the world is like a bucket, and you need to fill it with salmon or something. You know what I mean? And then like the people, the people behind the the father's chair would like kind of like spring up behind the chair and like kind of like um, they would mime whatever metaphor he's saying. (laughs) And then and you know of course the son's like wait that doesn't make any sense. And then like the father would be like okay I'll make a new metaphor like um, and it really probably should have been called like simile man but. and you'd be like, life is like um, a roller coaster. It has a lot of ups and downs. And then like the someone would be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And he's like, and the father would be, oh never mind, that's a dumb, that's a dumb metaphor. <laughs> um, anyway, so I remember doing Metaphor Man, and um, people people loved it. I mean, Yay. people it freaking <laughs> killed. And that was, I think that was one of the first the first skits that they called. And then we, we went through the rest. You know, we did History Teacher Rap. We did... Um, oh, yeah. Get that the one's girl... awesome. <laughs> yeah. We did Get the Girl Game Show. We did... Um... Oh, yeah. See, there was a bunch of others. Uh, oh, hmm. Info yeah. Mugging, my personal favorite. Yeah. Um, I remember there was Yolio and Juliet. Yolio and Juliet, <laughs> yeah. That one's really funny. And so I was pretty nervous to see, like, what the crowd's reaction was. We um, finished the last one. So we like did our curtsy and we were about to see like what the what the audience thought if they liked it or not. 
And what happened was, um, we'll be right back after this week's Weird People news. This is the segment where we describe first or second hand accounts of people doing things that seem strange to us. Alright, uh, this week in Weird Things, uh, this was a second hand account. I was told this story by my one of my friend's little sisters. And so she was walking in the hallway and um, she was like leaving a class and she hears like these two girls like whispering. She's like, huh? And she like goes to like, they're like whispering at her. They're like trying to get her attention. And they're like, um, can you get us some packing peanuts? We need them for a teacher. And she had just gone out of the class with a teacher. And so she like goes and she like asks the teacher, do you have any packing peanuts? Like these girls need to give them to another teacher. And so they like look for them and then they're finally able to find some. And she takes like just a few. And then she like goes out and gives them to the girls. And then they're like, thank you. And so she starts walking away, and then she turns around, and the girls are eating the packing peanuts. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, they're eating them. And then she sees the girls, like, give a few to another kid, and he starts eating them, too. What? And, and we're like, wait, what? But apparently they're biodegradable, and they're not... I don't, I don't know. I, think I don't think they're, like, super harmful, but I was just... When I heard this story, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's a weird thing that happened girls eating packing peanuts that is so strange yeah what the heck <laughs> that is, that's very strange <laughs> i've definitely eaten a packing peanut before and like i kind of know that, wait well like i kind of really? know what they're saying yeah i mean like it's so it is biodegradable so it kind of like it's weird but it kind of like melts in your mouth but like not as quickly as like you'd think um, wait yeah, so it does. Ask, it, it does sort of melt in your mouth, mouth, but it takes a while. Um, can I ask why you ate the packing peanut? I'm not sure. I I just like to eat <laughs> things as a kid. Um, and then the it's other funny. thing is like when it does melt in your mouth, like it kind of makes this like weird like packing peanut film, like all around your mouth, and yeah, it just doesn't really taste all that great. So yeah, yeah. Huh. Kids are weird. Um, <laughs> My weird people news is um, I was, so this was when I was like walking around and trying to clear my head um, before a math test and I like go on the green belt and I like saw this woman who was just like standing with an umbrella and like staring at the river and I was like, whoa. And like, okay, sorry, that is, I didn't like preface it well enough. It was raining really, really hard. Mm. So, okay, in all fairness, it was weird for me to be, like, out and, like, walking around. Yeah, uh, wait, and I did you have an umbrella? umbrella? Oh, you didn't. No. <laughs> so you're the weird one. <laughs> I am the, I am kind of the weird one. But, yeah, and then I just, like, um, I was, like, walking, and I, like, looked up, and, like, I saw this woman who was just, like, under an umbrella and, like, intently staring at the, um, at the river. And I'm like, well, maybe there's, like, something to it, right? Um, yeah. But I didn't have an umbrella. But regardless, like, when she left... Um, I, like, went over to her spot and, like, started staring at the river, and I get it. The river's pretty yeah. cool, especially when it's raining. Yeah. No, I've definitely done that before. I know I've done that a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> just go in the green belt and then just stop and just watch it. Yeah. And back to our story. We, you know, we say thank you, and we, we curtsy or whatever it is in, in theater, and... <laughs> The crowd goes insane, dude. Yay! The crowd goes insane, and I get a stand. We like we all get like a standing ovation. 
they Dude, freaking loved awesome. it so much yeah. that like you literally they were like cheering so loud and we get a standing ovation yeah. and, and this was, is like the first thing you directed and yeah. like you know yeah. you had like difficulties with it but the show must go on and it exactly. did exactly yeah the show <laughs> must go on and so that was kind of my um opportunity or sorry that was my experience of creating opportunities because i realized that um you know like if there's something I want to do, like, I just got to do it. And I like created yeah. this opportunity for myself. And I, and through this opportunity, I realized that, um, I really liked like giving stories to people. Yeah. And, and that's what ultimately led me to, um, to create what's up Boise, my first podcast with my friend, <laughs> Emily, and then create, um, <clears throat> boys in the house with Parker originally and then revamp it for the the best version with the, vaguely relevant <laughs> yeah that's vaguely relevant and um, yeah. I'm also working on like another podcast with uh with JC and I'm doing something with my brother too but I mean looking back on it too it's like you know um I don't know what Brian was going through but there there could have been something that like I just didn't really understand and I like mm-hmm. I don't I don't think about him now with like a in a negative way. Um, and like I'm there was tons of stuff where I was like kind of not doing maybe what I should have been or um, not like my best self in junior high. And that's just like a hard time to like have a directing role and a hard time to like commit to projects just because you're so young and you, you got a lot of like other stuff that's just not in your control. So, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think I kind of make Brian out to be this, like, really awful guy, but the reality is that's just life. Um, yeah. And I was more fortunate to be able to focus on the play. Um, and, and, you know, he didn't he didn't have that same ability, I think, to, to focus on the play. And so it is what it is. Okay, well, you've been listening to uh, Vaguely Relevant, our stories, and now it's time to plug some cool stuff that's going on. I would like to plug the um, Citizens Climate Lobby. They're doing yeah. some awesome freaking work, and they have a, um, they're, they're um, proposing a bill for a carbon tax. So I'll put that in the link too, but they're really cool. Um, I've been calling my, my senators and representatives off and on, I actually Woo-hoo! have a, yeah, I have a um, letter here from um, Mike Simpson. He's a representative. He's actually really cool. Um, I don't like Mike Simpson. Oh, never mind. He's not very cool. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's um, fine. Well, okay. The, the reason why I say he's cool is because he actually wrote me back, unlike Jim. Well, Jim Rish. Um, Jim Gross. Rish um, wrote me back, but he, I think it was Jim Rish, yeah. Um, maybe it was Michael Michael Crapo. I don't want to get my names mixed up and like slander them, but one of them wrote me back and said like, yeah, basically like what you're talking about would be like a really hard tax on hardworking Idahoans, and that's not fair to them, and so the plan will never work. And it's like, okay, well the plan no. would work, and also if we we're already spending like millions of dollars on environmental restoration every year, and Whose pocket does that come out of? Oh yeah, the hardworking Idahoans. So maybe we should have a carbon tax. 
anyway but mike simpson thank you for writing me back and he told me that he's going to be monitoring the hr763 energy innovation carbon dividend act so i appreciate that um but yeah Yeah. if you want to contact your senators about um the that it's the um citizens climate lobby energy innovation carbon dividend act um, I will put that in the description, and they have a really easy tool. So you just type in your zip code, and then it will give you all the phone numbers for your senators and representatives. And then they have a script that you just, like, read off, and um, it will tell you exactly what to say, and it's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'd like to plug um, the International Rescue Committee. They're, um, st- they, they're known for, like the, as the IRC, but they work... Um, like worldwide, but even in, in like in the U.S., um, there's something someone that we partnered with when we did the work with the Syrian refugees, and um, they deliver aid. They respond to the world's worst crises. Um, they really try and work with people who have been affected by conflict and natural disasters. But they also do a lot of work in resettling um, refugees and immigrants once they're here in the United States. And um, there's a Boise, Idaho chapter. And they really just help provide opportunities, and this is about creating opportunities. And so, um, they're an organization that's near and dear to my heart for what they do. Cool. Well, those are our stories about creating opportunities. You've been listening to Vaguely Relevant, and the episode will end in three, two, two one. one.